Opportunity zones. Cash value life insurance policies. Cost segregation. Oh, oh my. my. That's what we're talking about today. Welcome to the Utah Real Estate Show podcast, the show where two agents and a lender teach real estate best practices by talking through mistakes we've seen and made. Let's say they wanted to sell a property that they're ready to sell, and they'll sell it, they'll take $500,000, put it into the policy, and that's that's a complete uh, corporate tax write-off. They can write all of that money that they put into the policy. Even if there's gains. As a write-off, even if there's gains. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Utah Real Estate Show. I am Tyler Kazare, Utah real estate agent. Jason Christiansen, mortgage lender. Eric West, Utah real estate agent. And today we have Alex, the rock star financial guru. Every positive name you could think of right here where he's going to teach us some stuff today. Tell us a little bit about who you are, like your qualifications. Um, well, so I have... I started my own financial advisory firm um, about eight years ago. It's called On the Ball Financial. Mm-hmm. And when we originally started, it was pretty broad. We, the, the people that were retiring and wanted to make sure that their money was taken care of and the people that were just starting out and, and business owners and all of that. Um, but about five years ago, I had the opportunity of working with a couple of clients that wanted to look for alternative ways of building capital and saving money to get into real estate investing and, mm-hmm. and have that opportunity and, and start building passive income that way. And I really loved it. I really loved learning more about the different things that we could do and the different strategies and the different tax strategies. And so for the last couple of years, that's that's really been my focus of what we've done at the firm is helping people um, that that, that maybe want to do things a little bit differently or maybe take advantage of some tax strategies that aren't as well known in the industry as they probably should be and, mm. and help them take advantage of those things so that they could you know buy as much real estate as they can and, and really get to where like they want to go. Awesome. So we have a lot of, of our uh, audience who are either newer investors mm-hmm. or maybe have some questions. Um, like I, I own, I don't know how many doors I own, like seven. So many. So many so many. Of appendages. I own <laughs> still less than ten. I own some properties, guys. I don't own a ton of properties. The thing that stood out to me right away, which I, I hope people caught, was you talked to some clients that wanted to generate passive income. Yes. And, and move forward with that. And that was I mean, to me that was kind of my game changer of understanding like, hey, passive income, that is opposite. Awesome. But then you said the second part, how to gain other capital that you have or have access to, to gain even more. And that, I wanna hear some more about. One of the things that I've totally seen is I work with business owners and real estate professionals and and all those kinds of people, is that you have kind of two kinds of business owners. You have the business owners and and the investors who are really in, like that are really deep into what they're doing. Like they Mm -hmm. own a business, but they're doing it, right? They own Mm -hmm. a flooring company, but they're working every day doing flooring. Which is by definition not passive. Which is by (laughs) definition not passive. very active. And then there's those people that kinda, and it's like a light bulb kinda clicks on, Uh and they're like, I have some money, and if I'm smart, I can use this money to make a whole bunch more money without having to put in the effort. And if I'm smart, I can use this money to make a whole bunch more money without having to put in the effort. If I can make some smart decisions and I can learn what I gotta do, my money can make money and then I don't have to make money with my hands anymore. And and that's what I love helping people do. Yeah, so. How? How do they do it? Yeah, 
So, <laughs> I'm so, sure there's just one answer. Yeah. One. So there's a couple strategies that I really like to go over with people. Using life insurance as a way to uh, to, to generate uh, the capital needed to get into real estate. So and what type of policy do they need? Who so, can typically use this? When do they sign up for it? So there's a couple policies that you can build cash value in. I always recommend that you do something called an indexed universal life policy. When people think about cash value life insurance, the first thing that really comes to their mind is whole life insurance, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's been around for a long time. It's something that people have used. You hear about like the guy who started KFC had a whole life insurance policy that he used to start the business, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just something that, that people have done in the past. Um, Index Universal Life was created in the early 90s. And there's a lot of things within, de within Index Universal it's Life indexed policies. indexed on what? So it's invested into an index. That's okay. one of the reasons why it's called an index. So you can, sometimes it's invested into the S&P 500, which is there an index. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's invested into other indexes that the life insurance company has created themselves. Okay. Um, the reason why it's called a universal life policy instead of a whole life policy um, is because there's a flexible premium. With a whole life policy, you have to pay the same amount every single month and there's no flexibility there. With an index universal life policy, you have a minimum that you need to pay to keep the policy going. You have a maximum that you can pay and if you go over it, you lose all the tax benefits that you get, but then you can go anywhere in between there. The reason why I like cash value life insurance for real estate investing, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, with a cash value life insurance policy, if it's built correctly, the fees over a long period of time are less expensive than an IRA or 401k. It's blind to the IRS, so a lot of the red tape that you run into when you have like a self-directed IRA and you're using that for your real estate investing, um, mm -hmm. 1031 exchange, if, if done correctly, 1031 exchange laws almost don't matter anymore. Um, once you get to a point where where the policy is big enough, and you can really be you can be very very flexible. Does the policy the own the property, or is the individual own the property? The individual owns the property. Okay. What you're doing is you're taking the money out of the policy to then either put like a down payment on the property or to buy the the the, the outright. Uh, property outright. Okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. A couple of ways that people have used a cash value life insurance uh, policy in the past. There's there's to do this. There's there's really two ways. It's meant for people that can at least invest $1,000 or more a month. Okay. It needs to be a bigger policy. Okay, so this is not necessarily for your first-time home buyers. Um, not necessarily, but I, you'd be surprised how many young people that are first-time home buyers are actually making pretty good money and can and can invest uh, that much. But yeah, you need to have some money that you can invest. It needs to be at least $1,000 a month. And if you do that, within the first two years, you're gonna build up enough capital where you can pull out um, uh, tax-free, penalty-free income, and you can use for, that. For what use? What are the specific uses that can go towards? Anything. You can oh, use really? the money for literally anything. Some people will use these policies to pay for their business expenses. Hmm. Um, some people use these policies uh, to to get into real estate. Sometimes people use these policies to buy a company. Does it fluctuate with the market? So you could have massive gains or losses? So that's one of the things that I love about um, an index universal life policy is that it doesn't fluctuate with the market. The floor on these policies is 0%. So on the years that the market does really, really bad, you're guaranteed a zero percent return. You don't get any negative ever. You never have to worry about negative years. Um, and then depending on the life insurance company that you use, sometimes there's a cap 
on the good years. Normally, if there is a cap, it's 13 to 15%. So if, uh, if the index that you're invested in goes above that amount, then you're not going to be able to uh, get those, those gains past that number. But with the companies that I've been working with recently, um, companies like Nationwide, for example, they don't have a cap at all. You can make as much money as you want just depending on the market. And within the index, the way that they do it is it's actually a 220% participation of it. So let's say the index does 10% that year, they're going to credit you 22% and you're going to get 22% for the year. So it's it, there's some really wow. cool there's things There's some cool ways do. to get into you're it. You're protected from downside market loss. You can use that money. But then the other cool thing, so what a lot of people have done is they go, and the I and their their policy is connected to their business, and their business is paying for it. So then, let's say you take out five hundred thousand dollars and you go buy a property, right? Um, then you have five hundred thousand dollars of tax-free space that you've created because that's stuff that that's space that you can refill back. So then they'll take another property. Let's say they wanted to sell a property that they're ready to sell, and they'll sell it. They'll take five hundred thousand dollars, put it into the policy, and that's that's a complete. Uh, corporate tax write-off. They can write all of that money that they put into the policy. Even if there's gains. As a write-off, even if there's gains. And so the corporate tax write-off is 22.5%, mm-hmm. which is right about where the capital gains tax. You're pretty much canceling your capital gains tax. The best thing like I like having him you here is when you start playing in bigger pools and bigger deals, you're dealing more with, like you just said, taxes. You're dealing mm-hmm. with how to move stuff around, how to do it legally, how to take this, do this, it cancels each other out, mm-hmm. not getting in trouble, and that's where you start end up making a lot of money by moving stuff around. And um, I think you mentioned earlier, cost segregation. You mentioned that to a lot of people, and it just goes yeah, it's, right, right over their that? head. Yeah. They're fun words to say, too, cost segregation. It well, is that, fun to that say. Yeah. a lot of accountants. No. Yeah, right over CP, their head. I talk to CPAs all the time, and they've they're like, or they they've heard of it and they don't know what it is, or they've never even heard of it. Yeah. So let's right. so, tell yeah, us so for, for fourth grade level for the basic people out there, and me, and for for Jason and me <laughs> and everybody. Um, so, what is a one hundred and one definition yeah, of cost, cost segregation? You go and you purchase um, a residential real estate property. Right. When you go and you purchase that property, um, if you just let it depreciate normal the way that it depreciates, right, where you get to write that off on your taxes, 27 and a half year period of time. Correct. Right. If it's a commercial property, a 39 year period of time. Most people, and I bet you guys have seen this and what you've done, do not hold the property that long. Right. Almost never Correct. do people hold that property that long. In a situation like that, you're, you're losing opportunity to take advantage of some of the uh, tax savings that you could have taken because you're going to sell the property before you, you, you take advantage of sure. your full depreciation. Um, so cost segregation is this. Um, what you do is instead of just taking 27 and a half years of depreciation or 39 years of, is, um, if it's a commercial property, is you take the building and you separate that building into different assets. So for example, the carpet depreciates faster than the, the building of 27 and a half years. The electrical, the whole electrical of this building depreciates faster than that 27 and a half year period of time. All the office furniture in this building, all of the doorknobs and the doors, anything that isn't the bare bones structure of this building that we're sitting in right now mm-hmm. can depreciate faster than the, the bare bones building of, of the, this being a commercial property 39 years. And so 
uh, what you do is you just you can separate that all on your taxes and you can take a whole bunch more of depreciation faster um, that that can help you save a whole bunch of money on income tax if you're planning on buying other properties uh, you need to make sure that you can qualify actually um, i don't care about depreciation i add it back in because it's really? not a real expense yep. really i didn't oh, so segregate okay. the crap out of it okay cool. <laughs> that's awesome i ran into other mortgage professionals that, that don't is, know what they're doing i guess <laughs> that's yep. something that i learned that's that's super cool Great. so then don't worry about that so but so that's the basic idea of it is you can take well, depreciation a lot quicker and one of the questions i know people are going to have yeah. but like you said most people don't own it that full years mm-hmm. so i buy uh 10 plex apartment building, (laughs) cost segregated out, and four years later I wanna sell it. Mm -hmm. Well, do I owe any of this depreciation that I already wrote off for 30 years up front? No, no. You gonna exchange it? Are you familiar with the 1031 exchange? Well, yeah. He, I was just because that's one that I, every class that I've been in, they were like, well, how do I take 30 years of depreciation and then turn around and sell it in two years and not owe anything back. So the so the thing to remember is that like is there a you're bad not time taking, to do it? You're not. Ta- it's not like you're taking extra depreciation. Mm-hmm. That part of the building depreciates at that speed. Gotcha. Does that? Do you yep. see what I'm saying? You're not taking extra depreciation. You're just saying this part of the building depreciates faster. I'm going to take it at the speed that I can take it. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not having to pay anything back. And you can just do that. Well, how many times can you do that? Per, uh, on a property? Yeah, um, property. So the, own, the owner of the property can do it once. Okay. Um, so I've seen it where somebody is selling a property. Maybe they've only had it for five years. And so they do it. They do the, the study right before they sell it. They take a bunch of the depreciation. And then somebody buys the property mm-hmm. and they immediately do a study again. But because it changed... Um, because it changed owners that they were able to do that. So one time so per owner for property. Yeah. Not all cost segregation companies are, are, are made the same, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's just important to make sure that you're working with a company that knows so how do you, what they're I doing. So how do you vet a company? Say I'm purchasing a yeah. property in Indiana, which all my people on the podcast know that I buy a lot of property in Indiana. Yeah. Um, how would I vet a cost segregation analysis study company. Yeah, so uh, with every single company that does cost segregation that I've seen so far, uh, what they'll do is they'll offer a free cost segregation analysis where you give them the property that it is, you give them the address, you give them some of the specs of the building and and things like that. And they can actually go uh, and and get some of the records from, uh, from that building and they can give you a really pretty accurate cost segregation study of what they're going to be able to do once they actually get in there and do it. Um, and so that, that's the best way to do it is just go to a couple companies, get a cost segregation analysis, and then based upon the analysis, make your decision. The company that I always use with all of my clients is a company that's here in Utah uh, that's in Pleasant Grove called Cost Segregation Authority. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been around that for- before. Yeah, they've been around for a while and, and they're very, very good at what they do. And that, are they, do they service all states? Or only Utah? All states. All states. Okay. Every single state. And, so we, and, just, uh, we just go down the street to Pleasant Grove, guys, <laughs> yeah. and talk to those guys. And well, cost nervous. segregation, that's another one that, I mean, I've been in classes that have been three hours long on just cost segregation, and it's, yeah. that's another one. Talk to them, find out some more, learn about, see if it qualifies for what you're wanting to do, if it makes sense to do. Yeah. Is there ever a time you wouldn't do a cost segregation analysis? When if is you've owned the building time? for a really long time, 
So like you're, if you've owned the you've building, already completed yeah, if you've owned yeah. the, I'd say if you've owned the <laughs> everything's building, everything's depreciated. <laughs> if you've yeah. owned the building for more than like ten years, then then it maybe maybe doesn't make a ton of sense because the mm-hmm. you're just the, preloading the faster, depreciation. Yeah, and and the faster uh, assets are are split into five year, seven year, and ten, and fifteen year okay. um, depreciating assets. So if you've owned the building for like ten years, there's not much you, you've more already that kind you of can spent take. It. Or if you plan on owning it for thirty years, can you do it on your primary residence? <laughs> you do not know. It has to be. I an knew that question. One of you guys no. yeah. asked yeah. that. Has to be an investment property. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard yeah. a lot of uh, investors say, "I won't do this on a fourplex or less. I, I will only do this on." I a think that's or completely up. false. Because you can I do think it that's on any mistake. Yeah. It's gotten a lot less expensive. Mm-hmm. The reason why people said that is because there is a cost to obviously getting a cost segregation right. study done. And it used to be to the point where, um, like, if it wasn't like a really large building, that it just the cost of doing sense. it wasn't much worth the tax savings that you do were going to Do you have to do run. the study to take a cost of segregation? Technically, I don't think you would. I mean, it's just within the way that you submit your taxes. But if you don't know what you're doing, they're gonna deny it, <laughs> and they're gonna Ouch. and they're How gonna send it back, and they're gonna say, "No, you can't actually claim this." There's some really specific rules that you have to follow within cost segregation. If you have a handful of properties, how many would you segregate segregate a year? All of them, if I could. Well, because yeah. the the tax savings, from what I understand too, it roll it keeps rolling over. Yeah. So so if you don't use all of that. The first year you roll it over to the next year. So let's say you have a huge next year. Let's say you have a huge property and um, or or you own a whole bunch of properties and you do cost segregation on all of them and the tax savings are so much that you actually bring your income, uh, sorry, your income tax to zero mm-hmm. um, for that year and there's a whole bunch of tax savings that you didn't use. It just keeps rolling over until it runs out. And so I would just cost segregation. Genius. Like, do it all. Yeah. Okay. Opportunity zones. Okay. So real quick, opportunity zones and the way that they connect to cost segregation. Um, So first of all, opportunity zones. The idea is that the the government is trying to get certain parts of certain states, right? Hmm. Uh, And people to invest in those parts of those states and and to buy real estate and to get companies and to make things start happening in those parts of the states. Um, and so what they do is they say this area um, of you know this state is an opportunity zone, and there's different cool benefits that go. Along How do you with. find an opportunity zone? So there's there's you can just Google it, and there's okay. maps. Um, mm-hmm. There's maps all over the place that show the opportunity zones. Okay. So you and, and buy a property in an opportunity zone. So if you buy a property in an opportunity zone, and you do a cost segregation study, right now you can take something called 100% bonus depreciation, where everything that fit within the cost segregation study you can just take in one year. You don't have to, it's not like carpet in five years, so you get to take the carpet mm-hmm. in five years. You could just take everything that fit, fit within that study and just take 100% bonus appreciation within that year and then have that carry over if it's too much and, and your income goes to <laughs> Good tax savings. Wow, yeah. Yep. So some That's cool awesome. stuff for, for, for people to save some money and, and have the opportunity to have more money to go buy more properties. Uh, Let's go yeah. over what we learned. Yeah. Well, my key takeaway is I need to go do a bunch of cost segregation analysis on my properties because I think I could reduce my income to zero. I like using life insurance to fund the purchase of properties. Oh, that's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, I think to remember that there's so many different ways to get 
income and to move it around to create that bigger passive income. And as long as you have that goal by talking to different professionals uh, around the industry, you're gonna learn some really cool tricks. And I learned that you can do, um, that you don't have to worry about uh, qualifying. You don't have to worry about the depreciation and qualifying for, for other properties. That's awesome. So Alex, thank you, thank you. Cost segregation, cash value life insurance policies, opportunity zones. Yeah. Good stuff. This is episode one. First part. Next time we're going to talk about more stuff. So subscribe. Get the little ding bell when the next episode comes up. And ask some questions in the comments, which ones you liked it. We had some controversial stuff going on today, so uh, tell us what you think about it. Yeah. See you next time. If you want to get in touch with us, shoot us a text at 801-228-7687. Make sure you mention the show. You can email us at the Utah Real Estate Show at gmail.com. You can watch this show on YouTube and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you learned something or if you really love this show, give us a like on YouTube and drop a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Utah Real Estate Show is a production of Hive Collective at Presidio Real Estate with support from Security Home Mortgage. The NMLS number for Security Home Mortgage is 178787. The NMLS number for Jason Christiansen is 240472, Equal Housing Lender. Not only is this not legal or investment advice, but you should definitely talk to a pro before you make any real estate decision. Every situation is different and should be considered in context. Copyright Jason Christiansen, Eric Wist, and Tyler Kazare. All rights reserved. Talk to you next week. Response to some text really quick. Are we going to start? <laughs> Well, we're recording. Right. I'm just saying. All right. Into, into camera. Which is that? Yeah, whatever. <coughs> the so, I have a life insurance policy, but I don't have down payment. Is there an opportunity for me there? Yes, if you segregate it. That's what we're talking about today. <laughs> okay, there we go. What am I saying? <laughs> What's everybody saying? Are you saying, oh my. Oh my. That's what we're going to talk about today. And there's an opportunity zone to match the like button. <laughs> what? Luke. <laughs> Luke. Like. <laughs> Subscribe, call to figure out where you're going to go. Was that a sentence? In life. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> 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 <laughs>